speed, agility, power. I'm a big fan of these things. All of the performance I demand for myself on the ice is here. Handles all of my needs in dynamic fashion. folks welcome to another episode of roxy fever i'm your host jackson mcdonald and here with me today is a very special guest uh where do i even start um okay well first of all this is not a joke uh i'm not doing a bit i'm not doing the thing where i do jim benning's voice or you know cut together super mario and make it uh, seem like it's francesco aguilini i am in fact joined by uh Perhaps most notably and most recently, ex-Canucks employee, Rachel Dory, uh, in addition to numerous other uh, exploits <laughs> that you've had <laughs> in the world of hockey, obviously. But uh, that'll be the one that our listeners are most familiar with. So how, how are you doing today, Rachel? I'm doing well. There's actually nothing of note that's happened um, yeah, it's at great. the time of this recording. <laughs> but yeah, I'm actually, I listened to Roxy Fever like in the Canucks offices, like while I was doing work. Oh, that's um, so funny. <laughs> yeah, it was one of the many um, podcasts I listened to while I was working. So this is kind of cool for me. <laughs> oh, that's that's amazing. I didn't, I did not know that. I, I do know that there are a few uh, NHL employees that, that do listen to the show. Um, I, uh, I, I won't name them cause I don't want to get them in trouble. <laughs> um, but, I also uh, know which colleagues you're talking about. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> know which, uh, I didn't, I, uh, I didn't realize that you listened to the show. So that's awesome. Um, do, do you know, uh, uh, I, I worked with Ryan for a long time, Ryan beach. Do you know if he listens to the show? I do know whether he does or does not, but I will not okay. <laughs> share either way because I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Listen, like honestly, and I'm sure we'll get into this at some yeah. point, but like the Canucks organization is just so paranoid about every little thing. And yeah. I don't want to get somebody that I have a lot of respect for Definitely. in or not in trouble because for legal reasons i'm obligated to say <laughs> that i haven't spoken to anybody since i left totally sure that's reasonable <laughs> yeah yeah no uh and i i guess that that uh opens us up for uh the very first question i want to ask you it's the one that i'm sure is on everyone's uh mind as they opened this up and saw who the guest was which is what are we allowed to talk about <laughs> uh yeah so uh, the human rights complaint is the human rights complaint. Yeah. Um, the due date for response is actually this week. Oh, wow. So uh, there should be an update on that coming relatively soon. Great. Um, which is good because honestly, I'm really sick and tired of dealing with it. Sure. Yeah. Frankly. That's um, yeah. And like, that's just kind of honestly, it's just part one of this whole thing. <laughs> so like, there's a lot going on there. So, I mean, what's public is public and I'm, I can kind of talk about everything that's in that complaint. Although as I'm sure you can probably appreciate, um, there are some wounds associated yeah. with what happened. Um, I can't talk about like specifics of, of things. Um, I don't think that that's fair uh, to talk about. 
Like, I can't be like, oh, we had this trade or like, oh, this, yeah, we did this or like whatever. I can't talk about that. But like, I mean, I I met the owner on numerous occasions. I was in the room on uh, trade deadline and um, free agency. Like, I could talk about the process of things. I can talk about like just in, in general terms how mm. things happen. Um, I could talk about basically i could say anything positive that i want um <laughs> yeah ne- that does kind of seem to be how it goes <laughs> but negatively so the other thing is the difference between bruce and i mm-hmm. is bruce is under contract to the vancouver canucks so right. he's kind of has to be a little bit more careful mm-hmm. i on the other hand signed no document yeah so if you i don't know if you guys have noticed but like i'm allowed to be negative because they like as long as i don't reveal trade secrets they literally can't say anything yeah and and that's something that's come up too like uh like with um like certainly online and and even people uh like just in private conversations being like is she allowed to say that like can she do that and i i always uh uh just kind of you know i mean like i didn't know for sure but i was always sort of just under the impression that like well like you know people can have their opinion on whether it's going to like quote unquote hurt your case or not which i think is sort of a, a misunderstanding of what the thing even is, but um, uh, like you, you can say like, I don't think this trade is good, or I think that this trade is good or, you know, because it has nothing to do with like whether or not there was a human rights violation in your, uh, in your situation that unfolded. Like, yeah. The other thing is I see a lot of this is like, yeah. uh, Oh, this harms your lawsuit. Um, it's not a lawsuit. It's not a lawsuit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's the it's not even in the same jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. So like just tell me that you have no idea what you're talking about without telling me. That's yeah. like the first hint that you have no idea. And so um the difference is with like a human rights complaint um it, it's not like a 50-50 thing. Like it's on them to prove that they didn't do it. Yeah, totally. Um, it's actually closer to like a criminal case than it is to a civil case. Sure. Um, but yeah, like it's it's one of those things where um, regardless of what I say, it, it, it doesn't really harm anything because I'm not talking about uh, and I'm not violating their human rights by talking about it. Yeah, totally. Kind of thing. Right. Whereas like if I if it was um, just like civil litigation, um, honestly, it probably wouldn't even be that much different because sure. I'm not saying anything that happened like while I was there. So um, there's no trade secrets being like, it's not a, a secret that I worked for the Canucks like that. It's not a secret <laughs> no. that I got promoted. Like, no. Yeah. And the thing about that is, is like, I wasn't even the one that told the reporter that. Like, no, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, and we'll, we'll touch on some of this stuff a little bit later. Cause I have a lot of stuff I want to ask you that I think like uh, will relate to uh your time with the canucks and in some ways maybe uh have certain threads that attach to the to the human rights complaint but uh it's also like i would say at this point from like a media narrative perspective it's pretty picked over honestly um until something actually happens until there's like a new development um i think by this point like people they've seen the um the document that came out they know the the gist of what the complaint is and they know the gist of what happened and so it's not something that uh i'm i i wanted you on the show to talk about more fun things than that 
person. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. like, I think um, <laughs> I'm actually quite thankful for uh, not being there right now because it, it, the Canucks are doing a, a fantastic job of creating a track record of all of the things that I've alleged. <laughs> so I would like to thank them for yes. doing that. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> so the first, I mean, we have to get to the Bo Horvat trade that just happened and, and we are going to get to that, I promise. But uh, it's just since you brought it up, um, I wanted to ask about Bruce um, and, and the thing that I that I really wanted to ask with regards to Bruce is like, given the fact that you were promoted to the coaching staff and the way that this whole thing unfolded in a, you know, at the very least, like. I will I would say probably the worst optics I've seen around a coach getting fired in <laughs> a, ever, maybe certainly in like my lifetime anyways, or my hockey watching uh it's lifetime the worst anyways. since um it's the worst optics on a team side since the roger nielsen harold ballard sure uh, yeah and, and and i mean if you're being compared to harold ballard that is not, That's not great good. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so what i what i wanted to know is like do you feel now like you kind of dodged a bullet with uh with the way everything went down with bruce and the coaching staff and the the seeming like you know, at least from my perspective, like seemingly he was just basically milling about waiting to get fired all season. So, um, yeah, I, I do honestly. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm somebody that's pretty open about my mental illness. Um, it's not something I've ever asked for like concessions for or anything. Like mm -hmm. I'm just open, like going in, I'm just like, Hey, like, just so you know, I battle this and it has nothing to do with anything that, is hockey related it actually has to do with like things that happened as a child sure um and so it's not like i say like oh i need to miss time from work or whatever it's like hey i need access to doctors like yeah. that's mm -hmm. that's the minimum and and under the canadian human rights code like i actually am entitled to concessions sure but at a minimum like i, I would i think seeing a doctor is not exactly like a lot to ask no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I feel like I did dodge a bullet because for me, um, I'm also somebody that was kind of raised um, half European and half sure. North American. Um, and I have parents who um, are they have done very well for themselves in business and, and the same for uh, my grandparents. Um, and, and there are things that I have been taught in terms of how you ethically and morally go about your business. Um. And so for me, I look at this and I say, um, honestly, had I still had I gotten out of what happened in October or September, um, it is highly likely I would have resigned um, mm. at some point because I don't work for people who treat other people this way. And people might think that that's a naive thing to think, but I've worked for major banks. I've worked mm -hmm. for other sports teams who do not treat people like this. Yeah. And so for me, I look at it and say, if you can do this to one of the most lovable people in hockey, yeah. what what are you going to do to me? Or what are you going to do to somebody else who isn't as high profile? And I mean, like, we already saw what they were willing to do. Um, and so that's kind of how I go about it is like, am I willing to work for an organization that treats people that way? And quite frankly, the the answer is no. Um well, I... it's it's something too that that we've talked about before. Like, um, you know, if you look at 
the track record of how uh, the ownership group of this team um, has treated people in the the their their concerns, their their businesses, their yada yada yadas that are non hockey related. I mean, there's been yeah, there's been there's like a through line. cases about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This there is not the first. Records. You are not the first person to uh, allege human rights violations against uh, you know some uh, level of thing owned by uh, any number of members of the the Aquilini family. I guess I'll just put it. I'll just leave it at that. But yes, yeah. that's correct. I mean, it's there's a, like, and those are things that are a matter of public record. Oh yeah. Um. And so yeah, like I think. I mean, to your question, did I dodge a bullet? Um. I, I truly believe that everything happens for a reason. Um, and I am in a much better mental state now than I was in October and November. And I, I believe that I probably would have had more cardiac issues uh, and mental health issues had I been a part of the ongoing season. Um, and so for me, I look at it and I have to say that um for my health and my well-being, it is probably best that I am no longer with the Vancouver Canucks. Well, I mean, you're in, in fairness, it's not like anyone else uh, in the organization has had any high profile uh, health issues. So, no, um, there have been no problems at all. I uh, yeah, we didn't get a chance to. I think the Mikheyev thing uh, broke after the the last episode and. I was Obviously, actually employed by the team when that happened. When that, yeah, <laughs> uh, the uh, the 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 Pearson thing, uh, like you Ooh. know, I, I don't know if we've had a, a lot of time to to discuss that necessarily. I, I'm always like, I'm always very cagey around health stuff well, because so, it's like relating to players, anyways. But I, I I would I wouldn't mind getting your perspective on that. Okay, so I will just like on the Ilya Mikheyev thing. Um, mm -hmm. I was with the organization when the injury occurred. Mm -hmm. I was not with the organization when he had his MRI. So I had no idea mm -hmm. what happened. So like this notion that I was the leak, I literally wasn't there when it happened. <laughs> so like, I don't know. And and like, do you think like, as I laid out my complaint, mm -hmm. like this thing dragged on for like nine days. Do you think if they were getting ready to fire me that, they would have told me about a significant ACL injury. Like <laughs> no, probably not. Uh, the other thing, once again, returning to a theme here, but like, you know, once they fired you, all the leaking stopped. So, I mean, I don't uh, know what you're like. There are no leaks. <laughs> there are no None. leaks happening. It's <laughs> not like there was any, any uh, like high profile thing that got out multiple weeks before uh, it actually ended the, up happening. So on the McKayev thing, mm -hmm. um, I've actually like, I mean, I used to be an elite national gymnast. Mm -hmm. um, so you can imagine what my joints look like. <laughs> yeah. Um, an ACL injury, while it is true that you can play with an ACL injury, and it absolutely is, like, make no mistake. Um, I was somebody that um, competed through a major knee injury. And I will now have to have full knee reconstruction done. Yeah, because of what I did, whereas if I just had it repaired when it happened, that would never have been the case. And so people need to understand that, like, yes, it wasn't unsafe for Ilya Mikheyev to play, 
but there are long-term ramifications because when you are without like when you have a torn ligament your other ligaments compensate and not even that your hip compensates Mm -hmm. and your ankle compensates and so now you're putting undue um wear on those joints as well so it could actually make you more injury prone and like lo and behold guess who has hip problems now yeah yeah like so it's one of those things where like yes Ilya Mikheyev absolutely could have played there is no like qualms about that and and that is his like if he says he wants to play okay but at the same time it is the doctor's job to say no long term this is poor for the rest of your body and it is the doctor's decision if the doctor says you can't play then Then he can't can't play play. and this is one of those (laughs) things too where it's uh, like ultimately you want to approach it as a as a purely human health thing and just say like look it's about your long-term health we're shutting you down like get the surgery yada 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 um at the same time i kind of I have a tendency to sometimes give professional athletes a little bit more leeway when it comes to uh, things like this, not, you know, obviously within reason, but like, you know, um, I was doing some uh, because, you know, this Horvat trade that we're still dancing around was coming up. I was doing some research on uh, the Ryan Kessler trade and Kessler himself, because, you know, that was kind of the last time the Canucks made a major trade like this. Um, and you know, he had, uh, he had a bunch of ridiculous injuries heading into the Stanley cup final that he played through and had like, uh, you know, ended up, uh, giving, giving himself ulcerative colitis from, uh, taking too many painkillers, uh, as a result of that. And then kind of, uh, uh, a dependency on, on that he developed because of that. And obviously that's bad. And obviously I, I would not like condone, um something that extreme but at the same time like when players are playing in the playoffs or like you know a couple of games away from a a cup final i have some time for the idea that a player is going to be like look i want to play through this i understand the risks i'm a hockey player my dream is to win a championship like i can wait a week to deal with and deal with the the you know the um the fallout from that later on <laughs> in the in the Mikheyev situation and also with you know who knows what's going on with Tanner Pearson but like we're talking about a team that's not very good <laughs> well. we're talking about a guy who is uh is in year one of a four-year deal who's and you uh, can have a discussion about whether that deal should have been signed in the first place Uh, yes sure but but so from from both a player and team perspective like it's very it's a very weird time to to decide that yes you're gonna play through an injury like it's 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 one thing when it's game seven of the stanley cup final or even when you're in the playoffs if yeah. you're in game seven of the cup final, then sure, Patrice Bergeron pl- and play with like a collapsed lung yeah. or like whatever the case may be. But like we're talking about an individual who is risking long term like ramifications of other joints to play regular season games on a team that is 27. Yeah, to help the team get a worse draft pick at the end of the year, basically. Yeah, it's very strange. Like- it it is um and honestly like don't get me i i think Ilya, i think the world of Ilya mckay he's sure. a, uh, he's a great guy and 
I mean, he's not my favorite Canuck. That's uh, that that mantle, um, apart from like somebody who I personally know, belongs to Andre Kuzmenko. <laughs> nice, but right. yeah, um, like honestly, it just you there is a potential and like there are academic like this is not me saying this there are academically researched papers Mm -hmm. that show that people who play with injuries to x specifically knees let's say Mm -hmm. um actually are more likely and more at risk for hip injuries and ankle injuries uh because of that overcompensation so he is in year one of i believe like it's a five-year deal um four year Four-year yeah, deal, sorry. Yeah. Um, he's in year one of a four-year deal, and now you're dealing with a situation where he might be injury-prone. Well, and he kind of already has that, like, fairly or not, because they've been freak injuries. It's a guy yeah, who's getting never... your getting your wrist cut by a skate is not like I'm talking about like a, a yeah. back injury or like a hip, For like sure. Ryan Kessler. <laughs> but it's still one of those things where, like, I I made this point when he was signed, like. Yeah, it's a freak injury, and you. I, I know it's like completely super uh, superstitious and like non scientific to just be like some people just get injured a lot for some reason. Uh, but like when he, I remember when he was signed, just saying like, "Oh, this is a guy who's like never played more than fifty five games in a season." Like that's interesting. Um, and obviously, this has nothing to do with getting your uh, wrist. Uh, cut by a skate or whatever but it's just like it just adds to the list it's like you know uh you you're talking about a guy who could already have like lingering wrist issues now is gonna have lingering knee issues and like you know the more you pile on top of that the worse it gets basically right you don't want to be making yourself um injury uh like you don't want to increase the risk of injury Yes. Um, by doing what you're doing and so yes he absolutely could have played and that's his decision it's also the doctor's decision it's the doctor's job to protect players from themselves because these guys would yes. go out like <laughs> yeah. i've seen it firsthand like these guys would go out with like all manner of things wrong that as a normal human being you would probably be going to the emergency room for sure and i don't i think that people lionize that and truthfully like it's a terrible idea yeah it's not it good really is and so, like, to me, and then, like, I see people, like, chirping Ethan Bear because, like, his, his dog, dog passed died. away. I'm like, you don't get to talk about mental health and then not have empathy for a guy whose wife is, is just, I believe, had a baby and their dog passed away. Like, this is a very tumultuous time for their family. Um, And, I mean, like, once again, Kel Supreme's, like, not taking mental health seriously. Like, mm-hmm. who could have thought... But, like, I will give the Canucks credit for allowing Ethan Bear to take that time. Because, yeah, absolutely. like, for people who who have pets, specifically dogs, like, it's not a rabbit. Sure, um, yeah. Like, losing a dog can be traumatic. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, and so I, I think that anybody who says, like, oh, like, you shouldn't, like, Stuart Skinner got flack for missing the, for missing a game for the birth of his first child. Like, <laughs> yeah. are you kidding like any other job. You, yeah, a lot of jobs will let you take like a year off <laughs> when yeah. when you have a kid, you know? For it, it's it doesn't seem uh, like too much to ask for a guy to take and one like, game a, off so that he As can, a woman in you know, hockey, there's like yeah. this wink wink nudge nudge like you can't get pregnant. Yeah, totally. And I'm like, "Bro, what?" 
Like you can't tell me I can't have a kid. Yeah. Like you no, can't. It's, it's a it's like literally protected <laughs> under Canadian yeah, labor law. That's like. a human rights violation. Oh yeah. look. Um, but like that's and and these are the things that I see, and I'm like, just because these people make millions of dollars does not mean they are not entitled to the same human rights that people who make eighty thousand dollars are. Yeah, well, like, it's yeah. actually like if they're not entitled, then what does that say about you as a person with like yeah. less, you know, to stand on basically as a as an employee? Um, all right. Well, yeah. we should get to the we should get to Bo Horvat because that's the uh, the the big giant news story. And like for once in my fucking life, the Canucks do something uh, newsworthy before I record an episode instead of immediately after, because I haven't even listened to back to our last one, so I don't know if it was included or not. But uh, Elliot and I spent like at least 10 minutes discussing how we actually thought that uh, the Canucks were going to trade Kuzmenko and retain Horvat. And then uh, they uh, re-signed Kuzmenko like a day later. And, you know, now they've traded Horvat. So I thank them for waiting until uh, just or rather not waiting until after we recorded this to do that. Um, but it is so funny that we're recording this. Like, as I look down at my laptop screen, I have 72 <laughs> unread texts and like, yeah. I'm going to wager that at least 80% of those are about the trade. Oh yeah. I, I, it, I mean, yeah, that seems low. That was, uh, I would take that with odds for sure. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, yeah. So, okay. Um, where should we where should we even start here? Uh, OK, OK, can we can we start? I, I have a good idea. Sure. All right. Let's start with this. Um, I think it is a testament to the respect that Lou Lamorello has around the National mm. Hockey League that this did not leak out. And yeah. like at all, nobody had it like Elliot. The first time Elliot Friedman mentioned the Islanders was yesterday. Yeah. And he just mentioned them as like a team that had interest. But like usually, okay, so there are stages that can be leaked. One, the agent can leak it. Yeah. Two, the player's family can leak it. Mm -hmm. uh, three, somebody within a front office on either team can leak it. And four, and most notably, NHL Central Registry. Mm -hmm. Because when you make a trade, you then have to ask for a trade call. And usually what happens is in the meantime of said trade call, the NHL has the insiders on freaking speed dial. Yeah. And that is how things get out, whether it's contracts or like whatever the case may be. I think it is a testament to the respect that Lou Lamorello commands that at no point along the line did that get out because Lou is famous for saying, if this gets out, I will, I will nix the deal. Yeah. Right. So it's kind well, of, I mean, it already happened. Yeah. Uh, or, so... or at least ostensibly it happened with, uh, with JT Miller, who also, uh, figures into this discussion pretty heavily, I would say, but we'll, we can put, set that aside for a second. We'll get there. But yeah, yeah, like I think it's a testament, like, and actually I think that you brought that up and the Islanders were also involved in that. Um, obviously I, I have to be careful, but I, I will say that I, I don't think that it's an accident that nothing got out this time around. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and, and so for me, like, I I look at it and I I also say um I would not be remotely surprised if Lou flips Horvat for more. 
Oh man, that would be so funny. I really hope that happens. Do I think he will? No, because I think Barzell and Horvat is a pretty good one-two punch up the middle. Yeah, it is. I also think like the Islanders' big issue right now, the Islanders are good defensively, like really Mm -hmm. good defensively. Yeah. Their issue is they can't score. Um, Last time I checked, Bo Horvat is (laughs) uh, pretty good at that. Has Uh, been, has been this year anyways. Exactly. Um, So for me, like, I, I, I know there were other teams involved. Um, and like, I mean, I'm not an employee anymore. So like, I'm not obligated to, to keep anything a secret for them. Um, I know there were other teams interested. Um, and so I also know what those teams were potentially willing to offer. And so for me, like I look at this and I go, let's say the, it is reasonably plausible to assume two things. One, the Islanders now can have another scoring forward and actually like figure it out and and score which will help them win mm-hmm. i don't think the islanders are too far out of the playoffs for it to be a consideration at all no but then the other thing is if the islanders fall out i don't think that it's unreasonable to think that lou lamorello would be able to leverage his relationships and then move horvat to a contender yeah totally in which case he then would have gotten beauvillier off his books yeah. And then Horvat potentially off the book. So then he's cleared effectively $4.1 million in cap space because that's what Beauvillier's thing was. And given who the guy who manages the cap in the island is, like, I'm not going to be remotely surprised if there's cap sure. gymnastics because that guy wrote the salary cap. Yeah. So he knows where the loopholes are. Um, so, yeah, like, I think this could go a number of different uh, ways. But if the Islanders decide to retain Horvat um like that's a you're looking at now instead of like Barzell and nobody like now we're looking at Horvat and Barzell and like I'm sorry but like that's a pretty big difference that's That's about as much of a difference as you can make by acquiring one player exactly like I was seeing people say like oh like Boston should acquire him or like Colorado should acquire him. And that makes sense because like, you don't know if David Krejci is going to hit a wall. I don't know sure. what's going on in Colorado because they could use all the help they can get right now. Yeah. Um. But then I saw people being like, Toronto needs him. I'm like, no, nah, no, that's not a team that needs him. Yeah, no, actually they have multiple centers. Like it's fine. Um. If anything, like Toronto needs like Timo Meyer or something like that. Sure. Yeah. But, but I think in New York, like this is a, an impact forward that like, if we're being honest, um, in my opinion, they didn't really had to have to give up like the sun and the moon for. And like no. when you're trading like a 50 goal scorer, like uh, like I think it's reasonable to think that Timo Meyer gets more than. Well, Bo this Horvath. is the thing is that like I I'm happy with the return, be, but a big part of the reason I'm happy with the return is that I have been beaten down by a decade of Canucks. So uh, you're basically just happy that they didn't resign him yeah like that's, i mean that's so, the sentiment i'm getting is like they didn't resign him so it's a win i'm like no 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 that's so not how that works there's a few <laughs> different elements to it uh one is is that i think that all of the assets are at least like worthy assets to go after from it, some perspective like whether uh they share my opinion is remains to be seen like you know i think Beauvillier is a is a guy because he has one year left on his deal, uh, a worthy target to be like, okay, we're going to take that guy. 
We're going to, you know, pump up his value, uh, play him a ton on PP1 or something. I don't know, whatever, like pump up his numbers, retain half of his salary next year and flip him at next year's deadline. Now, the thing is, they're not going to do that. So (laughs) that is where it kind of uh, falls apart. But until they don't do it, I can't say with 100% certainty that that's not what they're going to do and that that's not their plan. Uh, so I have to at least like remain open to the possibility, you know, Atu Ratu, uh, they... first of all is a winger. Yeah. I know. Center. I don't know who put yeah. that out there, but he's a winger, but he, uh, <laughs> you know, he's 20. He actually still has room to grow. They're yes. not, uh, they're not doing the Sven Berchi take a 23 year old and say he's a prospect. Um, or even, you know, Jack Stadnika or whatever. And then the, the real one that interests me is the first round pick because I, I, I do we know what the protections on it are yes. yet? Like, are they just standard protections? Like, uh, no. So okay. I, I do know what the protections okay, are. Yeah. And I'm actually, as we're recording this, I'm not sure if it's public, but okay. it will be by the time it will be by the time it goes out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it's top top 12 protected this year. But okay. the Islanders can elect, like, let's say it's the 11th overall pick. The Islanders can elect to give it to them anyways. Okay, yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's top 12 protected. And let's let's face it, like, the Islanders may or may not be very good next year. But, like, at the same time, like, you could trade Matthew Barzell. And and I'm sure you can recoup whatever you need. Um, yeah. I, I, if you're what not, I will like, say is that, is that when they were, tr- like, uh, when the JT Miller trade dis- discussion was uh, dominating the, the discourse. I, I remembered saying at the time, like the thing they should be targeting in a return for JT Miller is a pick from a team that could fall out of the playoff mix. Um, right. And so, so it would be hypocritical of me to say that that's not like a good, and also once again, you know, Stockholm syndrome or whatever, but like they actually got a first round pick. They actually took a first round pick. For I know. Player. I'm just picturing <laughs> Beachy like you know? being so excited about oh, yeah. acquiring a first round pick. Absolutely. Yeah. They have more, they actually have two first round picks. Like, like they have an extra first round pick, which is just for me, just so like, I never believed it would happen. You know, it's a so very it's hard po- like, to honestly, be happy the- about it. Yeah, the fir- getting a first round pick, first of all, like bare minimum in a Bo Horvat Of course, yes. But like, absolutely, like, okay, yes, that's the best part of the deal. Like, let's call a spade mm-hmm. a spade here. Oh, yeah. That's the yeah. best part of the deal because you acquired two wingers, which is the only position of organizational strength. Yeah. Like, uh, okay. But I think my favorite part in all of this is like, okay, we knew like Bo Horvat's going to the all-star game, right? Yeah. Why wouldn't you have just held this trade until after the all-star game? Cause now you're in a situation where like, what Jersey is Bo Horvat wearing at the all-star game? Because it, yeah, wouldn't it seem wrong for him to be elected like as part of the Canucks, but then the first time he's ever wearing an Islanders Jersey is at an all-star game. Maybe they'll do like, the John Scott have... thing and he'll just why... wear the the like generic NHL jersey. But like, why would you just not have made this trade on Sunday? Yeah, I have no idea. There's no playing. games like the Canucks. Like they're not playing. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. And I don't believe the Islanders are either. Um, So to me, like, that's the part that makes no sense. Like you kind of just like messed that up royally. Yeah, the Islanders aren't playing either. So like okay yeah it's another uh, it's sure. another example of of like 
you know, they're going to be in the news for something weird, <laughs> which I mean, in the grand scheme of things at this point, like the fact that they have managed to, uh, you know, give people something else to talk about with the team. Maybe that is just like enough of a win that they don't really worry about, like, um, you know, weirdness at the all-star game or whatever. Can I, can I read but, this tweet to you? Because it's oh yeah, tremendous. Yeah. Needless to say, this trade has caught the NHL all-star game organizers off guard. They're not quite <laughs> sure how to handle Bo Horvat in the context of the event. That is incredible. That's funny. Who, who, t- who tweeted that out? Greg Wyshynski. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, that's That great. is absolutely incredible. But, like, honestly, I think, you know what? It's fair to say, like, yes, the Canucks did a great job of not re-signing Bo Horvat. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. okay. But this is the return that, and this is where I think people, like, where the, the I, I accuse Canucks fans of having Stockholm Syndrome all the time, and this is where that can kind of set in, is, like, this is the return that you should get for Bo Horvat. A pretty good like prospect. It's a B, you know, like ish prospect. Yeah. Um, a first round pick that could potentially hold high value. So they get a little, maybe a little bit extra like credit for that. And then like a roster player who isn't useless, you know, like a like a a guy who a guy um, basically a guy yeah basically a a guy like well on a good team like hmm. on a well on a. On a playoff team, I'm not going to say a contender. Sure, yeah. But because the Bruins have Taylor Hall on the third line, yeah, like, that's exactly. hilarious. Yeah. But on a playoff team, he's a third line winger. Yeah. It it is like n- not outside the box to say that like he's probably on the second line in Vancouver. Yeah, I, I think so. And it, it is one of those things where it's like, okay, it's another one of these guys, another one of these wingers that probably makes too much money, uh, that isn't like game breaking, that plays in your middle six or whatever. Um, but you know, it's it's at least like not a um it's not a I wouldn't consider him to be like a completely negative value asset because of his contract no. status and because like he's useful and he like does, you know, he could score, he could score a little bit. And like, he's the kind of guy that, um, you know, ideally you really want to be the guy who signs him, uh, next summer for like a million dollars rather than the team trading for him, uh, at 4.1. But he's not like, you know, it's not like he's a candidate for waivers or anything like that. Like he he oh, was God, a guy no. that I was he's a, a useful. Huge, he's yeah. a useful NHL player. And he was a guy I remember being really excited about as a prospect. So I'm kind of like there's like this little small part of me that's like, oh, that's who I wanted them to pick with the uh, with. I think it was the Besser pick at the time or whatever, which, you know, I mean, take your pick about how that ended up, I guess. But I'm going to have no comment on the Brock Besser situation because my only comment is. That there, again, is academic research done showing that after an athlete loses somebody very close to them, usually like a parent or a child, um, there is the year, like the season following the one in which they lost uh, the parent is or the or the child or whatever is actually considered um, you're 40 percent less productive. Wow. That's so like significant. it's it's like a legitimately significant thing. So what happens is, is like, let's say they're in season when it happens, you get this like bump. So like we all remember when Marty St. Louis lost yes. his mother and like mm-hmm. he scored, but then he was like awful after that. Yeah. 
So you get this like mini boost of adrenaline and then he's just like falling off a cliff. And with Brock, I mean, like we all know how close he was with his father. Like I saw this coming a, a, a mile away. Yeah. Um, and I, I said it. Um, and that's not to say that like, I don't think Brock Besser is a good hockey player. I absolutely do. Totally. Um, yeah. I think he could benefit from a change of scenery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I'm not like hugely surprised that there might be, uh, teams that are interested in him, especially if they think like they can really, you know, buy low or whatever. I, I was just reminded of something, um, a second ago when we, when you were talking about Lou potentially basically laundering Horvat to another mm-hmm. team. Um, yes. I was just remember reminded of the time that the San Jose sharks traded for both of the players involved in the, uh, Mike Hoffman, uh, Eric Carlson fiasco. Oh, Lord. Uh, and uh, I mean, obviously, you know, the Eric Carlson thing didn't really work out or whatever, but it's very funny that at, at one point, the Sharks held on to both those players and then just like took on Hoffman and then traded him for more than they uh, than they got for him. So I wouldn't you know, it's not without precedent, I guess, is my is my point. If you, know you could if you could be the guy yeah. who benefits from that situation, then Lou can definitely trade Horvat for like, you know, whatever better package from the Bruins or whoever. Yeah, or like the Avalanche or like, I don't even know, like there are so many teams that would be interested in in Horvat. Um, but Do I you think, think they could have of... gotten more for him. Yes. <laughs> right, I don't yeah. think I know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, do I think that they should have been in this position to begin with? No. Yeah. But, so let me ask you something. And okay, I have a yeah. poll going on Twitter right now. And as of the, as of me asking you this, it has 2200 votes okay great yeah so pretty pretty significant sample size yeah you've got three options jackson yes option a on the vancouver canucks bo horvat niels lundquist philip edel and a 2022 or 2023 first round pick sure option b jt miller anthony beauvillier atu ratu and a new york islanders first round pick option c Niels Lundqvist, Philip Edel, a New York Ranger first, Anthony Bavillier, Atu Ratu, <laughs> and a New York Ranger first. Yeah. So it's unquestionably... Also, let's, let's, let's also yeah. add the impending probably first round pick you could have gotten for Andre Kuzmike. Yeah, yeah. So obviously it's it's option three. Um, That's not even... For this team, anyways, <laughs> it's option three. Like, like whether or not... You can, you can uh, do the whole... Like, the whole question of, like... Oh, you know, this player who is a proven commodity is worth more than this draft pick who, for some reason, you know, when you have the pick is going to turn into a star player. But as soon as you don't have the pick is going to be nobody. I don't know why that's like, you know, Schrodinger's draft pick or whatever. <laughs> um, like the. You can make the case that one or uh both of these players or whatever is worth more than the potential return that you would get for him but we're talking about the Canucks we're talking about a team that's years away or now, if, at least presumably if the Canucks turn around mm-hmm. and trade Anthony Bavillier for any like positive assets mm-hmm. i think that you can say okay like this that's a that's a really positive step in the right direction yeah. the problem that they have is they have made so many steps in the wrong direction mm-hmm. yeah. that like okay so now we we've taken 
18 steps backwards, but hey, look, we've taken four yeah. forwards. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So, like, the Canucks should absolutely, like, if they turn around and trade Anthony Bavillier for, like, anything positive, like, okay, yes, in in this specific instance, that is good asset management. Mm-hmm. But you can't ignore the rest of the vacuum. Like, no. I've, seen, I've seen it said on multiple... Um, radio shows and, and Twitter and whatever. Like, what if re-signing JT Miller costs them Elias Pettersson? Does yeah. that decision, is that decision alone a fireable offense? Oh, yeah, and it is. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so I think obviously for the Vancouver Canucks specifically, because where you're at in your competitive cycle is everything in terms of what assets are worth more to you, right? Like, there's no question that a Stanley Cup contender this year has more to gain from having Bo Horvat on their roster than having a bunch of first round picks or prospects or whatever. Um, so like in terms of ultimate value, maybe you can make the case for one thing versus the other, but for the Canucks, it's obviously like the pack of assets. That's what you want. The pack of assets and to not be attached to uh, the Miller deal or the, you know, the upcoming Horvat deal. Um, as far as like the, you know, would you rather have the, the Miller package or the Horvat package? Um, that's where it's, I think it's like TBD depends on how much, how much Horvat signs for depends on, uh, what happens with Anthony Beauvillier and depends on what happens with the Islanders draft pick. But there's no question that, yeah, they, they, Part of the reason the Horvat deal even looks good in the first place is because of how badly they biffed the JT Miller situation. Uh, <laughs> don't I, I still be, can't don't be blaming that me for that. that. Do no, not I won't be blaming me yeah. for that. <laughs> I even though I was they there, didn't take the the New York uh, uh, the the New York package, the alleged New York package. Yes, of course. I'm and I there is a specific reason why I used the public trade package sure, and yeah. not ones from my time there because like for obvious reasons so i use the one that like everyone's reported yeah totally and i'm not gonna get into like coulda shoulda woulda like on yeah. other things because like obviously that would get me in trouble but like this is the one that was widely reported and so it was just the kind of like the easiest one to, to, to pick from there mm-hmm. um but then you also have to think about it from this perspective um it is widely known that there are issues in that dressing room like yeah oh yeah i don't have to come on here and be no. like hey just so you know um like it's widely known like farhan lalji has said like there are people in that room that like make his job not fun yeah absolutely like that's kind of what and like i could say absolutely unequivocally with 1000% certainty that bo horvat is one of the best dudes or yeah. was one of the best dudes in that locker room like the New York Islanders, first of all, if you think Lou Lamorello hasn't done his homework on the type of individual that Bo Horvat is, like, oh, yeah. there's your kind of answer right there. Um, but, like, Bo Horvat was so important to the fabric of that dressing room and, like, insulating certain players. And so, for me, um, I look at that and I say, not only have you lost your captain and, and a key piece of your core and that's fine that like you you should have traded him given where the Canucks are in the standings but you are removing somebody from your dressing room 
that was a that's an integral part of a positive um part of the dressing room well and only a few years removed from losing tanev markstrom stetcher other guys that yeah and isn't it funny that like full circle like lou lamorello traded the pick that selected bo horvat i didn't even think of that traded for bo horvat that's very funny yeah and like there's a non-zero chance that lou wins both of those trades yeah yeah it's certainly possible especially depending on what happens with the or no, um, sorry. There's a non-zero chance that Lou loses both of those trades. Like, oh yeah, uh, Corey, yeah, Corey Schneider. That's yes. what I meant to say. Like, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Corey Schneider did not. Well, I mean, he did have like some really good seasons, but um, the Canucks won that trade, right? Yeah, I, I would say pretty. Uh, you know, uh, they. But they I'm won always it of I'm kind always of, of the mindset that like sorry, the yeah. best, the team who gets the best player wins the deal. Sure. So unless yeah. the Canucks first round pick that they've received turns into the best player in the deal. The Islanders have won the deal. Sure. Like as yeah. of the recording of this podcast, the Islanders have won the deal because they have the best player in the deal. Yeah. And, and it, going back to the, the Schneider thing for a second, like that's one of those situations where it, it has a lot to do with where Schneider went and what happened with that team and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it's going to depend with with this Bo Horvat deal as well, because like um, Drance is very fond of saying, and, and I, I co-sign it, uh, that like uh, the right player at the wrong time is still the wrong player. Um, and so like if uh, if the Islanders fall out of it and end up giving up like uh, a top 10 pick or whatever, or a top five pick or, you know, whatever, like it's going to look really bad. So it's it's still a, it's still a TBD. Uh, it's still filed under TBD for me. But like, yeah, as of this moment, they paid like the standard, you know, like they basically what this is like. This is just a deluxe version of the Ryan Kessler return. Yeah, right? but yeah, pretty like, much. But yeah, I think, yeah, at the end of the day, like the Islanders are getting an impact player and yeah. Is it likely that the Canucks get an impact player for it, it, it using that first round pick? I mean, if they listen to their analytics department, yes. Yeah. Um, there's <laughs> exactly. no guarantees Depends. on that. Yeah. But um, I think that right now it's hard to argue anything else because Timo Meyer is probably going to get more. And Bo Horvat's a center, yeah. a proven leader. He's only, I believe, a year older. Um, He's scored at a higher rate this year. So, like, naturally, Bo Horvat should get the best return at this trade deadline. And, like, it is, there is a non-zero chance that that isn't true. And to me, that is where, like, you can't just look at this and say it's a win because the Canucks didn't re-sign him. That bar is, like, below the Earth's crust. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Right? That's, like... Tweeting hockey is for everyone, even though we all know that it isn't. Like... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's an interesting segue into uh, a couple of different things that I wanted to ask you about. But before I do that, is there anything uh, else that you wanted to get to about the, you know, Bo Horvat deal in a vacuum, but then also, you know, all the surrounding factors as well uh, um, before we move on? Yeah, I would just say that I think... Um... 
Bo did a fantastic job. I think it speaks to Bo's character that all of the noise around the Canucks organization and he routinely went out and answered questions and then also performed at an incredible level. Um, I think that he uh, he's shown kind of who he is. Um, and so for me, like that, that speaks volumes about him. I think it's a tremendous loss for the Canucks dressing room. Yeah. And I think that they should stop acquiring wingers because they already <laughs> have too many of them. Yes. Um, and, and so like anytime there's a draft pick involved, you need to wait to see. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this is going to fall on the scouts and on the player development, because if you take a first round bust in this deal, like that is not going to get um, forgotten. And so if the Canucks want to win this deal, they have to make sure that they hit a home run with that first round pick because Atu Ratu is never going to be as good as Bo Horvat and Anthony Bavillier is not as good as Bo Horvat yeah. and is also on the wrong timeline. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that the Islanders are now have a formidable one, two punch at center. Um, they have somebody who can score and, I wish Bo Horvat nothing but the absolute best. He is a stand-up human being yeah. who did not deserve to be put through the crap that he's been put through of oh, late yeah. in Vancouver. Well, yeah, his whole career, really. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're talking about a guy as good as he is, like as as uh, has done everything you could possibly ask of him, and his uh, his reward for that has been like the only time he made a real playoff. Uh, appearance was in his rookie year. So and can I ask fake bubble playoffs? Yeah. Can I ask one more question about this? Yeah. Um, who wears the C for Vancouver now? Uh, so what I would do, um, is wait, uh, go next season without a captain and, uh, wait until you see what the, how the Elias Patterson situation is going to shake loose. And, uh, if he, is going to get extended and stick around for a long time. He's your best player. He's your number one center. So you give it to him. Okay. Yeah. That's what I would do. I mean, and I know that like in terms of the, the sort of leadership qualities and the dealing with the media stuff that like, that's going to, those are going to be big shoes to fill. Um, But I've never seen Elias Pedersen back down from a challenge. So um I I feel like that's uh, your best option. Um, I also just want yeah. you to know that Dom Luschusen just texted me. Oh yeah, um, and he called this a rare lose lose trade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I can see that for sure. Um, uh, yeah, and it's plausible, but like I think that the um, Canucks did the right thing by trading Bo Horvat. Yeah. Although this entire thing could have been avoided if some other decisions had been made. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Six months ago. Well, and, um, yeah, and, and, but also so long before then as well. Well, yes, like, that's correct. Yeah. And like, I do think that like, I think a lot of people are pointing their anchor at the right people is what I will say. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. So, um, I wanted to, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, your, cause I think uh, some people don't, necessarily realize that uh like you have quite the resume uh when it comes to uh you know hockey uh related things like you you wrote for the athletic 
He wrote for, uh, I believe, EP Rinkside um, as well. I remember because uh, JD is a mutual friend of ours. Um, and then also worked with a number of uh, different hockey organizations. I think it was York University was one, uh, Sudbury in the OHL, and then, you know, most notably the New Jersey Devils. And uh, I was doing some, you know, some background reading about you before in anticipation of the episode. And I learned that you were um, one of the driving forces behind um, getting the Devils to basically have like a mental health awareness night. And I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about that, uh, because that's going to dovetail nicely into some other things I want to talk about. Uh, Yeah. So, um, that started because, uh, so how it works in New Jersey, and this is going back to when Lou was the team president sure. and GM. Um, the first floor is hockey operations only, and you have to have a special pass card to get on that floor. So you are not allowed on that floor unless you have the card. That's how locked down it is. And when Lou was there, there was actually a person who sat at the desk as the elevators opened to make sure that you were actually allowed to be there. Yes. So it was really hard for me. I was 21 when I moved down. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no friends. I had no family. Um, I had just come off the most difficult period of my life, um, personally speaking. And so I, I thought that like no one was going to be able to come to the hockey ops floor so that I could like meet them. So I, I knew that I had to go to another floor. So on my, like, when I would go and grab lunch, like I would make it a a priority to just kind of go up and like try and meet people. And I met this one guy, his name was Chris and he was a ticket guy. And he was trying to come up with ideas for like group nights or like theme nights, that kind of thing. And I, we just kind of kicked it around and I knew that the Canucks had actually done hockey talks and I knew the Leafs had done it. So I was kind of like, what about like a hockey talks night? And he was like, oh yeah, like, let's do that. And so we, we kind of kicked it around and then uh, we, we brought it to the head of ticketing who um, was somebody that I had met. And he was like, I think this is a great idea. Like, let's do that. So then I was participating on top of like my actual jobs, uh, um, participating in meetings about this mental health night. Um, And like, it was just something that was very like, near and dear to me and while all of this was going on i got diagnosed with ptsd mm-hmm. and like that's not something that like they just ra- that's not a thing that they randomly just like diagnose people <laughs> no no like that's a that's a pretty serious thing that you're getting diagnosed with right and so it became like even more meaningful to me and then they did like the panel and i wasn't allowed to be part of yeah that's a shame and i was kind of like oh okay and then they like we did all the planning and i'm not kidding um i flew home or flew back to new jersey after being home for christmas and like the next week um we had like a conversation and um that conversation ultimately led to the parting of ways Mm -hmm. which was not like the way that it's been reported was not how it happened at all, um, which is super interesting. So they did that in like, like that happened in January and they did the mental health night in February. 
Right. And so they still made a bunch of money off of my idea. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And then in all of the press, like I know a bunch of people wrote about it and were mm. told that they were not allowed to mention me. Wow. And so like for me, I was kind of like, man, like it's okay to say that I'm not there anymore. But like I was a, a it was my idea. Yeah, like, totally. like that's okay to say. And I just, I thought that that was kind of odd, but mental illness and mental health is generally something that's very close to me. Like I, in the story that Corey Massasak wrote where he mm-hmm. actually was like, screw you, uh, PR, I'm putting her name in here. Yeah, totally. Um, he wrote about how originally my ties to mental health were related to my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with what happened to me and, and the diagnosis that I was given, um, it quickly became something very different. Um, and so that was something I was actually really proud of because like most of the planning um, was already done. And then I just didn't really get to see the fruits of that, but that was okay because the, the day that that happened, I flew to Germany to be with my family and go to a Bayern Munich game. So who's the real winner there? <laughs> You know, it's funny. You'd think that uh, you'd think that you would have been the ideal uh, like employee for the Vancouver Canucks because you have North American heart and European skill. There you go. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. That was what one of my favorite. Amazing... That's like a, a deep cut uh, Jim Benning era reference. But oh, um, man. Yeah. Uh, so, OK, this this kind of relates a little bit to something that we uh discussed in not our last episode but i think the episode before which is player player development and you might people listening right now but i may be thinking what does that have to do with mental health but um something that we that i've discussed with a lot of people when i used to have the uh when i used to do the podcast with reese um who just side note like i know a lot of people who work for uh nhl organizations and like the Canucks are the only organization that I know where it's where it basically seems like the the attitude is like, don't talk to anyone about anything uh, ever. Um, and, you know, like my uh, my other contacts and, and friends and stuff are uh, very professional and very like tight lipped about the things that they need to be uh, tight lipped about. But like, you know, Reese has has, to the best of my knowledge, never been told by the Hurricanes that he's like not allowed to be friends with me. Uh, oh, you know what I mean? Wow. Um, yeah, I was I, genuinely Jackson. I am literally not kidding. Mm-hmm. I was told by like not even just one person that like I'm not allowed to have my friends who are media members at my wedding. Oh, yeah. I'm not. Surprised. I was like, what? Like, it's my wedding. My <laughs> wedding. Yeah, no, I know. And it's it's I it's very frustrating, too, because like I um I like when I heard that the the thing about uh, like the media aren't your friends or whatever, my immediate thing that I thought of was you just had a media guy come in and sign a one day contract and talk to all your players and give a speech and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, you know, obviously I'm in full support of that because I think Kevin BX are rocks and he's like one of my favorite Canucks. Oh, yeah, ever. he's incredible. But he's a media guy. That's what he is. That's his job now. So anyways, yes, notably uh, <laughs> on television. Yeah. So anyways, uh, when when uh, this is something that, that, yeah, we talked about on controlled entries. It's something that we've talked about uh, in the past on this show, which is like player player development, which is, I think, like maybe out of anything that 
gets talked about on a regular basis, the most like nebulous concept to <laughs> not just people outside NHL organizations, but people inside NHL organizations to the point where uh, there are like entire team staffs that essentially do not even believe in it as a concept. But the, the way that this like the way that mental health connects to this for me is that like there are a lot of things that keep players from realizing their potential that don't necessarily have anything to do with like, you know, <laughs> whether or not play was running through them on the power play when they played for the Kitchener Rangers or whatever, you know, yes. uh, there there's a, there's a lot of the, the players are human beings and there's a lot of things that, can derail a, a player's career. And by the same token, like I think about the, the Kevin LeBanc story about how, and I mean, like, you know, things with Kevin LeBanc haven't maybe, you know, he doesn't look like this amazing find that he looked like, you know, a few seasons ago or whatever, but like the story about how a scout just noticed that after, uh, you know, after practice or after games or whatever, he would just like practice taking shots and they were like, oh, we like that guy's work ethic. We're going to draft him in the sixth round or whatever. Like it goes both ways. But I guess what I wanted to I wanted to sort of ask you about uh, your philosophy around player development, because it connects to so many things like what's your mental health like? What's your physical health like? What are you you know, uh, do you have um like, uh, are you, are you maybe like an under from an underrepresented group? You know, are you like, are you LGBT, which, you know, hasn't really happened yet, but for example, or like, are you, uh, you know, are you a person of color, like yada, 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 um, that can sort of diminish your chances of, of breaking into an NHL organization. And I, I, I was just curious sort of what you think, like, what can teams do? And the Canucks are like very much a team that needs to get good at doing this to take a guy who may be like your, you know, I'll, I'll say PCS because I, that's what I grew up with or whatever, you know, a player who's mm -hmm. like PCS is really high or is like reasonably high or whatever that says like, okay, well based just purely on like cohort models, this guy has like a 25% right. chance of becoming a player. How do you take that? What can you do as an NHL team to take that guy and turn him into a 35% player or a 50% player, you know, right? Cause it's not just, Oh, they found this guy in whatever round. And like, wow, that was an amazing find by the scouts. It's also like, you know, uh, Bo Horvat, you know, going to Barb Underhill and becoming going from being a guy whose skating was an issue to a guy who his skating is like, one of his best assets now. Yeah. So uh, first of all, LOL, Barb Underhill is like, I had my skating evaluated by her and like, <laughs> she does things that is not like not normal. Sure. Um, yeah. Like she can do things that just other, other people can't. Yeah. I've also had the pleasure of working with Daryl Belfry. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, like there are things that he recognizes and, and how he goes about things. Like let's, put it this way there is a reason that all of his clients and like by extension like leafs prospects are where they are like it's not an accident that he's got at least one major award winner in every single season i believe like the last six years like he's oh, yeah. he's legit 
but on player development. So like my master's focused primarily on um, drafting sure. and, and inefficiencies. But as part of that, I was preparing to do a PhD in player development. And I had naturally started some of that research. Um, and I still have, and I'm obviously not going to do a PhD now because that's far too much work. <laughs> and I'm just not interested in explaining to academic people that certain people in hockey say things like it got to the point where like I had to be like, no, I was in the room when like this weird thing that you don't think was said was actually said. Um, but on a player development standpoint, I think everyone likes to say like, oh, this scout is credited with this. or this scout is credited with that. And the truth is that unless the player had that attribute, when they were drafted, it is the player development people that deserve the credit. So like, first of all, the bare minimum for being in the national hockey league is work (laughs) ethic. Yeah. Like, I don't want to hear like, Oh, he doesn't have a good work ethic. I'm like, okay, well then like, obviously probably not going to be a good NHL player. Yeah. Like whether you like to think a guy works hard or not, we're talking about the, the top 0.1% of hockey players on earth. Maybe even less. Yeah. And like to even get there, even if you're a fourth line guy, you have to work extremely hard. So I do not buy into this nonsense that work ethic is a projectable attribute. If you don't have work ethic, you shouldn't be drafted. And it's that simple. Yeah. Like end of end of it, because like you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't work to hone it, like, and everybody else does, you will fall behind. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like, that's just like the bare minimum, the bar, like we said, the bar is on the floor yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. But when I look at player development, you need to evaluate uh, the type of person that the player is. You need to evaluate their character. How do they react to adversity? How do they react to um, even like general inconveniences? How do they carry themselves when things are going very well? Are they a, an emotional roller coaster or are they pretty even keeled? And by um, the same to- token, too, I would also imagine that like you want to be able to separate between like this is normal kid stuff that like this person will grow out of because they're 17 or 18 or whatever. And this is like a more a deeper character flaw. That is, yes, it doesn't matter that you're a teenager. You should know by now not to behave like this. So I am going to give you examples without naming names. Right. Sure. Yeah. Okay. There is a difference between sexually harassing people in high school. Yeah. Because you're an elite hockey player. Or, um, or like slurring, for example, like get that. Like yeah. by the time you're 17, you need to know that that's not that a that's thing. That's not okay. Yeah. And getting suspended because you got in a high school fight. Yeah, totally. Like those two things are not the same. There's also a difference between the two former things that I mentioned and you continuously switching teams because your dad is a piece of work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally. So like, once you get to the NHL, like, do you think anybody on the New York Islanders specifically like in their prospect system? Like, do you think Lou Lamorello hears from their dads? No, <laughs> just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like probably not. Well, we know, right? so- we know that there are still hockey dads. Like we know Mitch Marner's yes. dad is an interesting fellow. got himself straight up banned from yeah. the ACC. and we know that like 
you know, I think you would be hard pressed to find like a pair of guys that are more well-respected around the league for like their, for just like the boring hockey bromides than the Tanev brothers. And we know that their dad is like, you know, not, not Paul Marner <laughs> level, but just like, yeah, a bit of a loose cannon, a bit of a hothead or whatever. And it literally right. doesn't matter at all. So you have to be able, what I'm saying is you have to be able to discern whether these problems go away mm-hmm. or whether they are an inherent thing in a person. Mm-hmm. And I've got to be honest with you, like, Growing up, when I was in high school, like you could use the homophobic slur that started with an F because yeah. that type of thing was not really at the forefront. I also went to school with a bunch of Europeans who use that word as a term for cigarette. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but now, like, okay, so, but then I learned, like, okay, obviously you can't use that word anymore. So it very obviously I don't use it. Yeah. Right. So if it came out now, like, oh, Rachel said this in high school, I'm like, yeah, like that was. In the same way I said the R word in high yeah, school. Yeah, sure. There's just things that, that people used to say that they don't say. say anymore. Yeah. But if somebody told me, so I have a brother that just graduated from high school. He's yeah. actually the same age and played against um, the Luke Hughes draft year. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. My brother has never uttered that word. Yeah. So if you want to tell me that anybody, basically that is 22 and younger, used that word that's i find that a a character flaw because you need to know that that is not okay right in the same way that like sexually harassing somebody or bullying or any of that like that's never been okay so to me that is an inherent thing and there's a difference between like immature bullying like oh he got left out of the schoolyard games yeah. And what Mitchell Miller did. Yeah, absolutely. Like those yeah. two things are not the same. And so you need to be able, from a player development standpoint, to discern what is and isn't a full-blown character flaw. Yeah. Right? Is it immaturity or is it a legitimate issue? So that's step one. Um, And then you have to, like, then there's on ice stuff. So first of all, if you believe it's immaturity, you have to have a plan to say, like, okay, what are we going to do mm-hmm to track this maturity how like are there extra rules in place are there different seminars that this player can attend because those are things that organizations who know what they're doing will offer yeah. um to do but then from the on ice you've got to have somebody who and i actually think it's a great idea to have women's hockey players involved in player development oh because hugely. at no point are you teaching body checking in player development and if anything, having a, a a female hockey player, they teach you the skill side of it because there is no checking in mm. women's hockey. So you are forced to learn various skills. And I think that that can be inherently valuable because then those players are learning how to protect the puck from various physical confrontations. They're also learning how to take the puck away without potentially hitting a player from behind, which is also Illegal. a thing that you shouldn't do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you need to have a coherent um, on-ice plan. And, and I mean, I was actually basically almost, I want to say like two weeks after um, the Canucks and I parted ways, I was actually scheduled to have a meeting with the Canucks player development staff to, <laughs> to present funny. my master's, like, sure. or to pre- present research that I had done for a, an upcoming PhD um, where I was going to show them, okay, like this has been like what has worked in, 
sports like soccer and baseball and like how we can apply it within our organization and well they got rid of me so guess who doesn't get the benefit of that anymore <laughs> yeah so i will lay it out now because i can't i can choose to make my work public yeah. um basically you you identify every player's strengths and weaknesses and you divide them like it's not puck handling it's not shooting it's yeah. like it's i'm talking about the minutia and i learned this from the various player development people that i've worked with it's like when you're talking about somebody skating, let's say it's like angle of leg extension. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that's what we're talking about. Right. Or if it's shooting, it's um, the, the thing is we need to improve like the power on the shot. Okay. Well that gets broken down into uh, where the puck is when it's released, where the elbows are positioned, what the angle between the wrists and the elbows are where the hips are like, that's the level that it needs to be broken. The one down. that always drove me nuts because like skating is the one thing that, you know, I've never played any level of, of hockey, like at any point in my life, but I did skate a lot for a long time. And so it's the one thing that I kind of know about. And one thing that has always driven me nuts about scouting reports, about drafting is when people put skating and speed as like the same thing. And it's like, it's like, no, you can be a good skater and be slow and you can be a poor skater and be fast. And these are two different things. And like you're that's they're, they're connected. Kapanen. They're Kasperi connected Kapanen to each other. Yeah. Best example of that. Um, I actually have an uh, a thing that we need to I don't know if we need to talk about it, mm -hmm. but it is important to point out that the Vancouver Canucks retained 25 percent of Bo Horvat's salary. Oh, fuck. Uh, well, at least it's only till the end of the year. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting, so, though. That does make a that's yeah, that is interesting. That, that is another matter. wrinkle into into it. for Yes, sure. that's correct. But anyways, so, yeah, like I think with player development, you, you hit it on the head with skating, right? Kasperi mm -hmm. Kapanen is and and by extent, Ilya Mikheyev, they are fantastic skaters, like sure. speed, straight line speed. Mm -hmm. But anybody who's going to tell me that Connor McDavid is not the best overall s skater in mm -hmm. the league is a silly goose. And mm -hmm. the only player i will even have a discussion with or like even have a discussion about is kale mccarr yeah sure right so like when you look at skating right it's like okay straight line speed which is what captain and mckayev have but then you've got edge work and balance and agility and like all of these different components of skating ex like explosiveness and and all that like Connor mcdavid is the most explosive skater in the league and I would also wager that Kale McCarr is the best, is the most agile skater in the sure. league. Sure, yeah. Right? So there's different components to it. So like a player can be a fantastic skater, but need to improve different areas of yeah. his skating. Like there are players that are fantastic on their edges that aren't great straightaway skaters. Well, sometimes right? it's like, just as simple as like, Oh yeah, this guy's this guy's skating like his technique is fine, his his edge work is fine, uh, his you know he his lateral movement is fine. Like the problem is he is slow because he's playing fifteen pounds heavier than he should. Right, he, or he should just you have like, get or leaner. Dealing, yeah, or he's dealing with uh, he's not flexible enough, so his hips yeah, don't open sure. the way Jeff Skinner's do. Yeah, or. Um, he isn't explosive because genetically he doesn't have the same amount of fast twitch muscles. Like mm -hmm. when I'm talking about evaluating player development, like I know for a fact that two NHL teams evaluate the makeup of muscle in their players mm -hmm. 
um, to figure this stuff out. Um, and like, they are so far ahead of the curve. And that, because, okay, like please, that, no, and that's, yeah. that, like, that's the thing. And same fast twitch muscles in your forearms are related to your shot. Like I would bet a lot of money that Alex Ovechkin has some of the most, like some of the best fast twitch muscles in the NHL in his wrists mm-hmm. and forearms. Right. And so like, those are things that like genetically are there and you have to know that those exist to be able to either take advantage of them or adjust your development pin. Because like, let's say that you draft a prospect and you have the ability to do all this evaluation. Mm-hmm. Well, if you draft a prospect that let's say doesn't have a fantastic shot, but you realize that they uh, genetically have more fast twitch muscles mm-hmm. immediately. You can use that to develop the power of their shot. Changes right? your so- development plan. You can, exactly yeah, you and can... so you have to take a, a holistic view whether that's like nutrition off ice like mental strength mm-hmm. physical strengthening and each player like andre kuzmenko is not gonna have the same uh workout plan as elias Pettersson is. oh god no you know what i mean like they're two different bodies yeah right in the and and that's something that is extremely important so when you're looking like those are the things um that you need to to look at when you're doing player development it's not just the goals and the assists it's like are you you have to set goal posts that are tangibly measurable and i can tell you with great certainty that not enough nhl organizations are doing that and the ones that do routinely are the ones producing um players from their draft and so you can look at la you can look at anaheim you can look at toronto and you can look at carolina yeah yeah um and now to i mean i don't count buffalo in there because they've had so many high picks that it's like impossible to not hit on them yeah and and that's the other thing jackson is you do not get credit for a Mm -hmm. top 15 pick yeah totally you actually get credit retracted if you miss on a top 15 pick. Yeah, like, that's the best way to look at it. Like you you can get uh you know, you there's it your the credit you get for a pick is inverse to like where you drafted him. So like exactly. you know, Elias uh drafting Elias Pettersson 5th overall or whatever is like maybe you get a maybe you get like a hint of credit for the fact that like he probably should have gone higher than that. And you didn't take Cody glass instead or something, but, but it's not the same then, as, as, as getting drafted. Yeah, exactly. I know where you're going. Oh, only you will levy when you should have taken Matthew. Kuchak. Sure. Yeah. Or literally anyone else. <laughs> yeah. But like that's and that's actually a great example is like the Canucks do not get credit for like this whole notion of like the Edmonton Oilers developed Leon Dreisaitl. No, they didn't. Yeah, no, yeah, they didn't. Yeah. yeah. They took like, a guy third overall no. and he was as good as a third <laughs> overall pick should be. Or I mean, exactly. maybe, a, maybe better ultimately, but like you took him third overall. That's the, exactly that's where the, it's the, like the end of the day. You like Columbus should get dumped on for taking Nikita Filatov and like Vancouver rightly gets dumped on for taking Olio Levy because you should not be missing those picks. No, right. You don't get credit for a top 15 pick. Like that's, that's stupid. You should hit. And if they don't hit, then you should be fired. Yeah. Or like, at least, you know, evaluated based on that failure. 
It should exactly. be added to your yes. list of failures. Like, so right. that the, all of this stuff about, and you know, we're, we're getting close to time. I won't keep you too much longer, but I have a couple more things I wanted to ask. And this, all this, uh, like stuff about, um, you know, players like muscles and like, you know, the very sports science, like, you know, uh, the angle of someone's skate or whatever and things like that. Like yes. this, this made me want to ask about something that is kind of like, it's very interesting to me, but I don't get the chance to talk to people who either like really would know what, know what to say about it or have like are incentivized to be honest about it. So it's something that I don't get to touch on very often, but it has been like a hobby horse of mine. And something that's come up on the show in the past, specifically with regards to like, you know, John Chaka, like getting, you know, losing a first round pick for like measuring people's skulls or whatever the fuck. Um, <laughs> like, how do you, and this is not just a sports science thing. This is like an analytics thing. It's it, it extends beyond like, you know, ba basically into anything that isn't like fully mainstream now in terms of evaluating hockey teams and hockey players. Like how do you separate the stuff that's legit, the stuff that is going to make like a meaningful difference, you know, think of like, you know, it's 2013 or whatever. And you're one of the teams that's actually paying attention to Corsi, like a thing that will actually give you a competitive advantage versus noise or even just like complete snake oil. Because I, you know, I'm not, I don't consider myself somebody who really is like particularly great at evaluating uh, players or teams decisions. And I feel like that part, part of that is that, you know, in the, when I was the age where I could have honed those skills, I was covering a team that just routinely did the stupidest thing imaginable. So those skills kind of like atrophied. Um, <laughs> but like, there are certain things that I see sometimes where people will do like player rankings, which is already like the idea of ranking players already sometimes like uh especially players that are already in the league like kind of questionable because it's like well you're you are you gonna rank like a center against a defenseman that's not even the same thing yada 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 um but like i i one thing that that's been like roiling around my brain recently is uh you know some of the publicly available models or whatever or publicly publicly available <laughs> stats and people will um you know, and this, like I said, this applies to like sports science stuff as well, but this is just the example I'm using is like, they'll point to uh, a stat or a model or whatever. And they'll be like, oh, well, it's descriptive. And I think to myself, like, well, that's great. We have like, we've had descriptive stats for a century. Goals are a descriptive stat, you know, like assists yeah. are a descriptive stat. They're a literal description of what happened. This player scored this many goals. And like, obviously they're, there are descriptive stats that have more value than just the obvious boxcar stats. But a lot of the time, sometimes it can feel like um, it's a very complicated way of saying like this player scored a lot of goals at even strength, which is like, well, you could have just said that I didn't need a, a fancy, like, you know, algorithm or whatever to tell me that this guy scores a lot of goals. I know that I have the NHL stat sheet. Um, so, Anyways, to after my rant here, to take that back into the form of a question, like from your perspective, how do you separate the the good stuff, 
the stuff that you want to use, the stuff that's going to make a difference from like, you know, the cynical attempts to, you know, get people to pay attention to you because you've found some, you know, uh, fancy new way of looking at something or just the 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 stuff that's noise because like there's also a lot of stuff that people talk about or that people point to that to me seems like complete noise yeah so i think the first thing you need to do is evaluate um where the research is coming from and by that i mean like the person Mm -hmm. um the biggest thing and i actually have it i've had it on every desk that i've worked at um and it's something I actually have it in my room as well. All models are wrong. Some mm-hmm. are helpful. Yeah. Right. So if you go on that notion that all models are wrong, but some are helpful, then you're in a good spot. If you have somebody that says, well, this is what I say. And therefore, and there are people like, you know, who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> If you have people that, that go by that, like that immediately tells me two things. One, they didn't come from an academic background. Mm-hmm. And two, they're probably selling snake oil because they don't have an understanding of how research works. Mm-hmm. So to me, I look at that and I say, um, like I had a, uh, I published rankings in the hockey news. Sure. And if you actually, I don't think many people did because people just like to scroll the rankings. Yeah. Totally. But I actually put in there that like, these are the things that, aren't as good in my model that I would like to improve upon. Yeah. And so people who say that, so somebody like Micah McCurdy. Yes. To me is legit. First of all, it's got a PhD. That's, that's relatively difficult to argue against. I know what it's like to go up against an academic board. It's like, that's a legit thing. Yeah. Right. Micah understands how research works. So you will never catch Micah saying this is right. This is wrong. My model X, 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 X. No, the right? only time you'll ever catch Micah uh, saying something like that is is him about himself or his own model. Just exactly. being like, this is what's wrong about this and how I'm trying to correct it. And he will always Ex- get he will always get points for me uh, uh, predicting that Dallas Stars uh, run to the final uh, because I thought that team was hot trash. And uh, I thought pretty much everyone else I knew thought that as well. So I give him credit for that one, but please. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think it right there, you have to have, you have to know where it's coming from. And anybody who says this is right. And this is wrong. Um, or like presents it as a binary. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have, I struggle with, uh, especially when it comes, it's different in the NHL uh, a little bit because these are f- for the most part, fully developed athletes. Mm-hmm. So, like, to me, the most valuable model right now is DOMS, the GSBA model. Mm -hmm. That is the most valuable public model. I will also say that anybody relying on public data is kind of running themselves in circles because the NHL public data is horrendous. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's being, like, super kind. Um, The one thing I will say about uh, the the public data or, like, the, um, you know, for example, like, I I look at... uh, natural statrix uh expected goals model a lot just to look at it right yes way it against, is very good way it against is very other good. things is like what i like about that model is i know exactly what's wrong with it right and so even though i'm gonna look at it and i'm gonna be like okay there's 
teams on here that are outliers on one end or the other. I understand that like that model is purely based on shot location. And so yes. I know that it's not taking in pre pre-shot movement and that that is like a huge piece of the puzzle. But I almost trust that over someone else who and this is kind of hypothetical because it's not like there's a lot of expected goal models out there publicly. But like I almost trust that over one guy who's like, yeah, well, I track the pre-shot movement myself and Ugh. just trust me <laughs> and just trust me. I'm right. You know, it's like. I don't know that that's actually better. I think I almost just like getting the shot location data better than just trusting you as some guy to to do that tracking properly, you know? Yeah, I mean, okay. So like when Megan Chica tweets out something from Stathletes, like I'm relatively comfortable taking that as gospel. When sport logic is used on broadcast, I'm relatively confident in that. Sure. I will say that Dom's model as it comes to player valuation is the closest to models that NHL teams when it comes to valuing players. He is sure. he is very close. Um and so like I have no issues with taking Dom's model and using it relative, right? Yeah, totally. Um to me that is it's the best one. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, like any first of all, you you've got to have that understanding of like any model can be improved. Yeah. Um but yeah, like to me I I have a lot of issue with how certain people present certain things because they present them as fact, Mm -hmm. right? I can, like, there is a difference between somebody putting their model out there and saying something is fact versus like me saying, this is what I found in my like academic research that has now passed academic rigors. Mm -hmm. And even then, like my thesis isn't public yet. But like even then, I've identified like limitations and and yeah. research implications. Like, so I mean, there are no models, with the exception of probably Micah's, because of who he is as a person, that would mm-hmm. pass academic standards. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so if you present things as facts that not only don't even pass academic standards, like, but they also you don't point out the limitations, that is a huge red flag for me. Um. And, and so for me, immediately, I'm I, I'm skeptical of of anything uh, that has that or that doesn't explicitly point out um, different limitations of the model, yeah. right? And so that that's kind of where uh, I differentiate between, like you said, the snake oil and and the good mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and just because you don't agree with how somebody presents their model, like. Dom presents his his model using those fancy charts, and then yeah. um, Micah uses his like blobs, right? Yeah. Just because you <laughs> may or may not agree with how they how visualize it doesn't yeah. mean the model is poor. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to separate those two things, right? Yeah, um, that's why because again, you can present just... Micah's model the way that Dom was. Yeah. One of the things that I actually like about natural stat trick is just that it's just like a list of numbers. So I don't have that. Like it's how my brain like creates biases and stuff. Like sometimes you see those like four quadrant uh, graphs or whatever that are like, you know, fun, good, bad, boring or whatever. Right. Like, you know, the ones that I'm talking about. I do. Yes. And it's like, um, you know, I hate that because I'm just thinking like, 
immediately like that tells me that, that those are all like opinions that don't have anything to do with the data. So like, it, I don't like it being presented that way because it's already like coloring my opinion of it. Whereas like, okay, well, like this guy has a 60% expected goals for the only thing that's telling me is that according to this model, that's what he has, you know? Um, so yeah, I think you make a good point, I guess, basically about how the information is presented as well. Right. I think that that's like, it's one of those things where like, you don't necessarily have to agree with how it's presented to understand mm -hmm. that the information in the model itself is valuable. Um, and a lot of people kind of miss that because like, for example, like Jfresh has like these charts that are like super understandable. That doesn't mean that the model is better than somebody like Micah's. Sure. Yeah. That That's kind of what I'm getting at in terms of, and in the same way that like, Micah's might not be as good as somebody else's like it It really depends just because you don't agree in, in the visualization doesn't mean that the model doesn't have value and to me uh, anybody who's making like sweeping statements based on a model uh is it's a dangerous game to be playing like okay I I can say with or without a model that Sidney Crosby is a better player than Anthony Bavillier. I was just like, I don't that. need a yeah. model yeah. to to tell me that, right? Um, but it, it it's it's one of those things. It is tough because there's only so much data that's that's available, and so you you do need to be careful um, with what you're using. And I'm also interested, in, like, to see how people build models. Is it done with linear regression? Is it multiple of regression? Is it uh, random foresting? Like, there's just there's so many different ways to build models and there's no wrong or right way to do it. Uh, so I'm always interested to see kind of how these models um, come together. And so I'm always one of those people that kind of goes under the hood and, and really likes to dig in to see, because then that actually does help me figure out if it's snake oil or not. Um, but yeah, like it, I, especially so like for NHL players, like, okay, yeah. But if you're modeling like prospects, mm -hmm. like that's tough yeah. because unless you have a grasp and I've had two people who model prospects reach out to me to ask for my thesis so that they can include that in yeah. their model. Sure. So that immediately tells me that they are continuously trying to better their model. Yeah. Right. So immediately I, I look back and I say, okay, like, we, while we might not agree on XYZ, at least there is a, a an understanding that their model can be improved, mm -hmm. right? You're always looking to improve it. Whereas like anybody who's just kind of like, well, XYZ, like this is where I have these players. um, That's 100% snake oil. And then anybody who doesn't use analytics at all, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's very obvious that they don't. Yes. Um, like very obvious and that's also snake oil because like if we're being honest if you were a good enough scout like on your merits you would be hired by an nhl team yeah. so like the people at elite prospects i personally i think like most of them should be like most of them are better than nhl scouts we're gonna call it what it is sure yeah right but they also use analytics yeah. So like they are, you're not going to build a house with a hammer and some nails. Like you might want to get some cement in there. You might want to get like 
I don't a drill. Like you yeah. want to use all the tools in the toolbox. And so people who don't use those tools, I'm immediately skeptical of anything that they have to say. In the same way that like the first half of the year, I deliberately did not watch games because I wanted my model to do the talking. And now I'm going back and watching games from the first half and I'll scout the second half. Sure. So that I can make the rankings accordingly. But if you're not doing, like, if you're not using all the tools available to you, like, not only are you fooling yourself, but you're you're selling snake oil to everybody else. And that's that's my take on that it. That brings me back to something that recent Garrett used to talk about ages ago uh, on their original, like, Hoggy Graphs po- podcast, and then also on the podcast that I did with them, which was that basically, like, I de- they the way that they spoke about building a prospect model was basically like ideally this model is good enough that it creates the framework for your scouts to work within so that like they can do what they're good at and your model does what it's good at essentially you know yes that's correct exactly so and you have to be able to marry the two and understand where the balance is like yeah anybody any scout who said i don't care what the analytics said but lane hudson isn't a good hockey player like immediately i have concerns yeah (laughs) yeah always also always uh like a a red flag for me when people like what's the what what am i like i wish i had a, a better like descriptive uh word for this essentially but like when people use analytics as like it is a noun, but like as like a, a a noun as a thing you can have, you know what I mean? Yes. Like like uh, like oh, uh, his analytics are good. It's like You're like what does that mean? That doesn't mean that's that's <laughs> not that's just like word salad. Like yeah. uh, or like you know I don't care what the analytics say. This player is good or bad, and it's like well, analytics aren't. They don't say anything. That's not that's not well, what like, they and do. My favorite, like, my favorite is when scouts will say, well, he doesn't doesn't engage in the battles. He doesn't go to the hard areas. And then I pull up the analytics and it's like battles engaged. He ranks third on his team and yeah, battles totally. won. He wins like 70 percent of the battle. I'm like, so the, the, the actual track statistics, sir. Yeah. Would disagree with yeah. your sentiment. The, the only thing, truly the only thing that analytics can't account for for or like some measurement can't account for because you can measure body fat you can measure mm-hmm. fast twitch muscle like you can measure all that right yeah the only thing they cannot account for is the character and so you have to have people that like i would actually be in favor of some level of of scouting that just said okay the scouts quote-unquote job is to go find out all the background information and yes like file your reports but our starting list is going mm. to be produced by the analytics department based on the models and then based on the character and the games, we will then move those names around. Yeah, you should hire a team of like private investigators instead. <laughs> and just yeah, like, like find out like, you, you know, uh, uh, who, uh, uh, you know, which which guys did hate crimes or whatever, basically. Well, like and, um. and I actually one team's approach was very interesting. Um, oh, yeah. When I was not employed by a team full time, this Mm -hmm. team asked if I would be interested in coming to the draft combine with them because they wanted me to interview players. They wanted to see how the guys interacted to uh, uh, reacted to being interviewed by a woman. Yeah. And then then by extension, they they wanted to see, like, did they take it as seriously? And also because like I'm a woman, I like I can 
gauge different things. I go into interactions just differently than mm-hmm. men do. Did did anything about the interaction make me uncomfortable or vice versa? Did I feel like this is a legitimate, like good person? Um, and so I think the teams who do that really show that they have an understanding of the holistic view of mm-hmm. scouting. Scouting is not just watching a player. Um, there's there's other research that's associated with that. And I'm sure you can imagine that the teams who are doing the research um, also then have an understanding of how to develop and therefore are producing more players. Yeah. Okay. I got two more for you. Uh, a serious one and a fun one. Uh, the, the, the first one is like, it's pretty simple. Uh, when we discussed you coming on the show, one of the things that you mentioned is you said that you, uh, I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, but that you felt like there were sort of like some misconceptions in this market that people have about you that you were hoping that maybe you could dispel by coming on the show. And so I wanted to just let you do that essentially. And, uh, and just ask basically like, is there anything specifically in that's come up that people have talked about since you parted ways with the organization that you feel is, uh, is unfair and, uh, and, and why basically. Yeah. Uh, the, the main one, like the top of mind one is that I was sleeping with people. Oh, um, I, I, I am. You know what? I, I think I am lucky enough to have that segment of uh, people just totally blocked and muted from my timeline. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's because uh, I, I, I haven't I like I said, lucky enough that I've never that I haven't actually heard that. And uh, that's really uh, very deeply upsetting, actually. Um, yeah, it's something that like it's I understand that it comes with the territory of being a relatively attractive woman in hockey or just like a woman at all. Um, Yeah. But like, I know in my heart of hearts that that has never happened and it never will happen. But like, imagine you're my mother or my father or you're my 19 year old brother who gets accosted at school by a Canucks fan. Yeah. and, And says that like, I think that that's, that's really offside. Um, it is. And it's the thing that that's come up on the show before with regards to other people in the organization as well as like, you know, I've always, I've always said like, you're an NHL general manager, like you deserve all the scrutiny and the criticism you get until it pours over into your personal life and people are accosting you on the street, uh, and screaming obscenities at you that, and that's when it becomes like, or just libeling or slandering you basically, you know, I'll give you an example. So I, um, before everything, before I went public, it was Mm. in October or might've been like the beginning of November. I went to a Leafs game with my best friend. Um, like I just, I was like, you know what? I, I, I want to go, whatever somebody actually came and sat down in the empty seat beside me and said, so I heard you finally got caught sleeping with someone like that is so far over the line that you think that that would be acceptable. And like, I know the head of MLSC security and I had that person thrown out of the building. Yeah. Um, But like, it's things like that where like, I couldn't go for the first, like, basically until I went public and it is the reason I didn't want to go public, Sure, but it is the reason I did. I could not go to a restaurant without people asking. I went to the Elton John concert in BC 
and I got asked about it there. Ugh. And like, so to me, I think people have this notion that it's their business and like, yeah. it's not. Um, well, but I yeah. very much didn't sleep with anybody and I never have. Um, so I think that that was, I thought that that was really offside and like, and like people that were harm was different because I gave harm permission mm-hmm. to speak, to email my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and harm, like harm was my friend long before I got the job. So he yeah, was yeah. actually doing it like out of care. Very great guy. But yeah. like, there were people that were like DMing my siblings on Instagram. Ah, oh, man. Yeah, I'm really like, sorry that happened. That's 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 terrible. That's that's kind of nuts, right? It's usually so, like, inappropriate, first of all, and then second of all, it's also just like, you know, why do people have to jump to that stuff? You right, know? and so like sucks. for me, I'm like, I don't enjoy being attacked, but the second you involve my family, mm-hmm. it just becomes an entirely different situation, and like you should not be emailing or DMing my. 19 year old brother and 20 year old sister yeah about me like that i think that that reached way well over the normal um line and so like i i thought that that was wildly inappropriate um this i think everybody kind of has this notion that i have it out for the entire canucks organization yeah sure yeah um and the reality of it is that is not that that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, I think the world of the entire analytics department, Aiden, Ryan, Miles, Martin, like I think the world of them, right? And I want them to to succeed. I think the world of the coaching staff, I want them to succeed. Cammy Granado is still one of my favorite people. Mm-hmm. Right? Same with Ryan Johnson. Like, there are so many good people in that organization that I want to succeed, mm-hmm. but I don't understand how you can read that human rights complaint and think I don't have the right to be upset with Emily and Patrick. Sure. I actually, honestly, Jackson, I don't even have a problem with Jim. No. Yeah. Now I have an issue with how he treated Bruce. Sure. Yeah. But I, on a personal level, have no qualms with Jim. Zero. So like this notion that I have it out for the entire Canucks organization and like I want to see them fail and and all of this stuff is actually it's it couldn't be further from the truth because there are so many people in that organization that I would love to see succeed. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can read that complaint and like I chose to make public certain things about my health conditions. Mm-hmm. But it will probably not surprise you to know that I chose to not make public other ones. Yeah, absolutely. That are perhaps more serious. Sure. Um, and so for me, this this notion that I have it out for the organization is is not true at all. I think that it is the most educated fan base in the league. I think mm-hmm. that the fans deserve more for how loyal they've been, even though um, a certain man refuses to allow that team to actually be good uh, <laughs> on a long-term basis. Like yeah. I, I think it would be fantastic not only for the league, but for the fans, if Vancouver was good. Yeah. Um, and so it was, we saw how good it was yeah. for the league, for the market, for everyone. Like it was the, I, you know, I, I, I remember when this team was at the center of the discourse around the NHL for uh reasons that related to like 
something other than what a fucking disaster they were. <laughs> right. And, and, and the other the other thing that really upsets me is like I went out and and like I publicized that document mm. and everyone was like, oh, well, the Canucks denied it. Well, the oh, Canucks yeah. denied it in a PR statement. And there's a difference between a sworn court document mm. and a PR statement. There are no consequences for lying in a PR, in a PR statement. statement. Yeah, right. So there's one. And then the second thing is now that everything has happened within the Canucks organization, like everything that's happened the last few months, how do you not look at what I said and, and, and go, yeah, that's completely plausible. That seems like on brand for what's been <laughs> and know, I am, going on. If you look at Mikheyev, Pearson, Bruce, and me, I am the lowest on the totem pole there. Yeah. By far. So is it not unreasonable to think that I was probably treated the worst? Yeah, I mean, it, or, <laughs> you know, at the very least, like it, it, it's just, it just tracks. Like, right. And, and it's so, one of those things, too, where where where, you know, it goes back to what I mentioned at the at the beginning of the episode is it's just like this tracks in how the Aquilini group does business with everyone. And the fact that there are some people who essentially have like the money, the power, the cachet to work against that uh, doesn't mean that it isn't essentially a theme throughout how they do business with everyone right and then the other thing that i'll point out is everyone's like oh well she's not cut out for the job or xyz sure uh, um i have worked for multiple sports organizations that i've just actually just chosen not to publicize because that was mm. in my agreement with sure. them yeah um i have also worked at a major canadian bank yes um if I can manage to hold those jobs for a number of years and be treated well, does that say more about me that I didn't last in this particular organization or about the organization? Because like, I mean, I was hired away from the bank. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm probably going back there. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure. And that's the thing is, is like, I think, and there's so many examples that hockey just like isn't a welcoming environment that I don't know how you could look at the situation and say like, you might not believe me and like, okay, that's your prerogative. But at the end of the day, that's a court document. And there are so many other instances of people in hockey being treated terribly, like, hello, the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. That like, to just immediately say, to, to immediately go and defend people that you don't know specifically like Francesco Aquilini and the Vancouver Canucks. Like I think th that that speaks more about those people than it, than it does about me. And I think that the fact that I admitted kind of my part in all of this, mm -hmm. which was a totally innocuous text. Yeah. Where, like I didn't even leak anything. Like Bruce said it in front of 250 it's, people. That thing is very, very funny. Like I've, it, I, I won't belabor the point cause I've made it before, but it's it just like it, <laughs> there are, that does not pass muster in the realm of things that NHL employees or NHL owners uh, for that matter, share with friends, colleagues peers literally the nhl insider to get that message out this is another thing that, that that's always pissed me off is it's like 
there are people whose job it is to literally leak things. Right. Uh, it was nice that Bruce said a nice thing about me. Is not a. It just doesn't like. That's not a thing. Yeah, that's not like... a thing. Like that. That <laughs> that that is. Uh, that that's not a standard that is uh that is upheld uh consistently throughout the NHL. It's just not. It, yeah, and so for me, like I think that it, people need to maybe take a step back, um, maybe do a little bit of research on the other people that are involved in the situation, um, yeah. and just kind of have an understanding that, like, first of all, um, you might want answers, but you're not entitled to them. Um, and to like, it's like the amount of ridiculousness that I dealt with, like people saying that, like, I faked Mm -hmm. mental illness or faked like a heart condition, like the, the serious heart conditions I have aren't even listed in that complaint. Yeah. Um, and so like, for me, I kind of look at that and I'm like, just because I have a mental illness or because I have a heart condition, like that, that shouldn't be a reason why I can't work in hockey. And it also like, shouldn't, it, it's not a license to come after me. And mm. I thought that, I thought that some of the stuff that was said was, was, was pretty over the line, especially because there is this misconception that like, I want the entire organization to fail when that is like, it couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, like I think Aiden Fox is going to be a fantastic assistant general manager in the not too distant future. I really, yeah. really do. Yeah, it's it's a thing. Like I can relate to that because as somebody who just purely on the like as a value judgment on what the franchise has done over my entire writing, podcasting, etc., quote unquote career, if you can call it that. Uh, like I don't want the organization to fail either. Like I grew up as a Canucks fan. I want them to do good things and win championships. And it gets even more ridiculous when people, you know, say like, oh, you just have it out for the organization or whatever. Or you just like want them to fail or hate them or whatever. When it's like, you know, because of the way that the Canucks do business, uh, I don't really talk to Ryan Beach anymore. But like he is he was my friend for a long time he still is if you know he ever <laughs> can is allowed to talk to me again basically uh, uh you know not in so many words or whatever but like, and i think this notion that's the other thing is like you yeah. mentioned beachy yeah. like it's okay to talk to your friends yes like you can talk to your friends without leaking stuff like yes mikey stevens is like i'm one of his best friends yeah. and like we talked about pretty much everything but my job yeah like and that's like you can't it is totally unreasonable to say you're not allowed to talk just because somebody else is in media you're not allowed to be friends with them is a complete first of all you're not telling me who can and can't show up to my wedding yeah unless you're paying for it yeah yeah exactly right and just so we're clear i because i do want to get this other like i don't talk to ryan very much because I don't want to get him in trouble. Um, you, like that's the the nature of it. But like the point that I was getting at there is that like I I I want I wanted Jim Benning and John Weisbrod, who I thought were very very stupid and caused me a great amount of pain as a Canucks <laughs> fan, 
to win a Stanley Cup with the Vancouver Canucks because it meant that Ryan Beach was a Stanley Cup winner. It's right. I want the Canucks I, to win a cup because I want them to be cup winners. Yeah, exactly. But you, you know, you also have people in the org. Like, if anything, you have even more of a reason to want them to be successful. Yeah, and and like, I I have so much time for people like Mike Yo and mm-hmm. uh, Jason King and Ian Clark and Dylan Crawford. Like, there's just so many people in that organization that I just wish nothing but success for. And if that is with the Vancouver Canucks, then I will wish them that success because above all, like their friendship to me means more than like whatever human rights case that I have against other people that they work with. Yeah. Um, And so that's, it's not like this vendetta. And then there's like this, this whole thing about, Oh, like you're never going to work in hockey again. And I'm like, (laughs) fine. uh, Okay. I'll make quadruple the money working half the time time doing something else yeah Yeah. and like not even just that it's like if somebody like me can't work in hockey because they have a mental illness like does that not say more about what it's like to work in hockey than it does about anything else yeah like does that not just like right away just say like hockey straight up isn't a welcoming environment yeah it's just one of those (laughs) things where it's like sometimes you sometimes you look into a job or a career and you find out that you know, it's like, oh, if you work in this industry, like, here's all the rights you're going to have, like, trampled all over you because, like, tr- that are trampled all over because, like, that's the standard or whatever. And then you go, like, okay, cool. Don't want to do that anymore. So I guess I'll do something else. It's not it's not particularly complicated. Yeah. Uh, so those are kind of the notions that I, I wanted to dispel is, like, I actually yeah. have zero. Uh, I my anger is directed at the people that that specifically wronged me. And mm. I think I'm more than within my right to to feel that way but outside of that i wish nothing but success for everybody else like truly it would make my day to see some of those people win the cup totally all right last one i would once again doing some digging and i found out that basically your like foray into hockey analytics was uh helping your dad win a hockey pool when you were like (laughs) 10 ish Is that correct? Uh, that hockey pool is still ongoing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Great. So what? I, all I'm gonna. So what I wanted to ask was, uh, given that you know you've shown that you are very good at helping people gamble, are you disappointed that you missed out on the opportunity to work with Rick Tockett? <laughs> that I is... just wanted to ask that question. You don't have to answer it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to comment on that. But yeah, what I will right. <laughs> say is I would like to thank the Canucks for uh, letting me go uh, prior to this hockey season so that I could gamble on it. Yeah, great. Um, yes. <laughs> because can I can I tell you who I took in the seventh and ninth round of my of that specific hockey pool with my father this year? Who? Eric Carlson and Tage Thompson. Oh, that that's amazing. That rocks. Who do you who do you think is winning the hockey pool right I'm, now? I'm thinking you're uh, <laughs> I'm thinking you're continuing your uh your trend of helping your dad out there. Yeah, it's yeah, it's rocks. uh it's a it's a hockey pool that's based strictly upon points and it's been like I think it's like 40 years running now. Um amazing. obviously I haven't been around for that long. No. I've been and I wasn't able to help him like Last a, year, I, yeah, yeah, like I was able to help him last year because you just draft it and then like there's no waivers or anything. So like I wasn't hired by the Canucks until January. So like I went to the draft and 
September mm-hmm. or October actually. Yeah. And and did it. And so like there's actually only been one season where for hockey reasons I was not able I'm to help him. That's funny. But I, I got to be honest with you, um like you you obviously you can't take anything from your employers like your Canucks, no, right? Yeah, yeah. The only thing that I actually have the rights to is my research. Mm-hmm. Right? But that doesn't mean I can't go build models like on my own time. And so yeah. now instead of building models to help a hockey team, I'm building models to help, to help my gambling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 like I mean I'm making some pretty decent money so like it seems to work. Um but yeah, like I think <laughs> it's funny that you you went and found that. I I truly thought you were going to ask me something about Bayern Munich when you were like I did some real digging. I was oh, like, "Oh no. boy, where is <laughs> no, this going?" I do not know shit about football. I'm I'm like the most uh I'm pretty much like the most one sport guy ever, but that would be like the last thing that I would like even feel qualified to to ask about, let alone talk about. So yeah, yeah, no, no, no you're, you're right about to, the hockey pool. <laughs> I just wanted to, I just wanted to make a, a joke about Rick Tockett because it's funny to me. Uh, all right, <laughs> so well, funny. Uh, thank you so much. We this is going to be a super long one, but it's all great stuff. So I don't even care. Uh, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day uh, to to talk to me, and I'm I'm not going to worry about plugs because it's already been a long enough one, and uh, I'm sure you know uh, people people know where to find uh, both yourself and myself and the show. So, um, yeah, uh, thanks a ton for doing this and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have you on again sometime, maybe in the off season or something. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Like this was, this was actually so fun. I didn't even realize it had been two hours cause it, it did not feel like that. Awesome. Great. Um, but yeah, I had a, I had a great time and, um, I really do. I wish all of the people that I worked with, um, except for the notable two, um, <laughs> more success than, than anyone. Truly. Ditto. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody.